Welcome to the 1000 Days Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davey. I'm not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I'm someone that doesn't drink alcohol and I spend every waking moment of my life helping other people do the same. Like right now. Boom, boom, boom. How's everybody going, folks? I hope things are going well. I hope you're emanating from above the line and you're not dipping too often below the line. I hope you're living a conscious life emanating from a place of pure love. And thinking to yourself all the time, how can I take responsibility for everything that's happening in my life right now? If you do that, quitting alcohol and those other addictions that you have that are slowing you down will be easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Okay? Today, a little monologue on how to stop projecting. When we lack self-awareness, we tend to project our inner reality onto the world and expect other people to understand. We become overly defensive and reactive, and in doing so, prevent constructive dialogue from taking place. But if you paid close attention, you'd realize that projecting is often less about the other person. I'm more about you, brother. That's what I'm on about, taking responsibility. In this monologue episode, I'm going to teach a simple but powerful trick to help you stop projecting when you find yourself triggered or reparating from below the line, take a step back, (gasps) take a deep breath and assess why you're acting that way. I also share how to approach emotionally charged situations so you can respond with regret, empathy and compassion. Three reasons why you should listen to this full episode is discover the three circles of candor and how to build an environment of trust and honesty, enhance your self-awareness to recognize when you're projecting, and learn how to frame your thoughts to have more constructive and honest conversations. So without further ado, I will shut the hell up and leave you in the capable hands of yours truly talking about projection. Much love, everybody. Yo, ladies and gentlemen, this is... uh, your captain of the ship speaking, and I'm going to be talking today, a little bit of a monologue, no guest today, going to talk a little bit, going to riff a bit about um, projection. And this, uh, and I started thinking about it, reading The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership, A New Paradigm for Sustainable Success by Jim Dethma, Diana Chapman, and Kaylee Warner-Clamp. It's one of the greatest books I've ever written in my, read in my life. And uh, it's going to form the cornerstone of a lot of what we teach in Strive Method for Addiction. And they have a great website called www.conscious.is. And uh, I actually did one of their workshops recently. It was like an eight-hour workshop or something like that. No, it wasn't eight hours, uh, maybe five hours. And they learned a great deal on there. It was really good. Um, It's had such a profound effect on me and my life and my work. That, um, you know, I always said, I always said, and I've always said, say to people that when you come to strive or the orbit of 1000 days sober, I'm always quick to stress that it, it, you know, this isn't about helping you become someone who doesn't drink alcohol, right? For me, that's easy. Like it's easier to stop drinking. It's really difficult to live consciously. And if you want to remain not drinking, you've got to really work hard at living a conscious life. And we've always tried to do that. It's just the 15 commitments of conscious leadership. Those wonderful people I just mentioned, with the help of Gay Hendricks, they've allowed me to put structure and framework around my experiences around addiction. So, you know, for me, being able to quit sugar, quit smoking, quit drinking, quit drugs, quit pornography, quit gambling... Um, The reason that I've been able to do that sustainably over a very long period of time is because I'm continually evolving. 
and growing into my meaning and purpose, into my uh, my full power and my potential of living a conscious life, right? So I, I want to share that and I want other people to do the same because if it worked for me, it can work for you, right? And the 15 commitments to conscious leadership is, uh, is, a good, is a good part of that. And what they talk about is they talk about this line. You would have heard me talk about it before on the podcast, maybe. Uh, and they say, basically, you know, when they work with people, they want to know, hey, are you operating above the line? Are you operating below the line? Operating above the line is when you're coming from a place of abundance, when you're coming from a place of presence, when you're coming from a place of love, empathy, compassion, creativity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Consciousness. Uh, when you're operating below the line, you're coming from a place of unconscious con- unconsciousness. You're acting like a zombie. You're coming from a place of scarcity. You're coming from a place of lack, a place of fear, a place of shame guilt, you're um, projecting blame, um, justification, defensiveness. You want to be right all the time. Okay. So your ego is showing up most of the time. That's when you're operating below the line. So at 1000 Days Sober, when you do the Strive Method, we're always trying to help you locate where you are. Am I above the line or am I below the line? And if you're above the line, hey, funky, funky. If you're below the line, so yeah, if you're above the line, great. If you're below the line, then we ask the question, would you want to stay there or do you want to do something about it and move above the line? Okay. So there's a chapter in the book about speaking candidly. And this is, um, you know, their uh, reference to what it means to be above the line. I commit to saying what is true for me. I commit to being a person to whom others can express themselves with candor. So they're basically saying, I'm going to say what's true for me in a respectful way. Um, But I'm also going to be open and allow other people to express the truth to me from their own perspective. That is above the line thinking and behaving when it comes to speaking candidly. So what's below the line uh, behavior? It's when you commit to withholding your truth and speaking in a way that allows you to manipulate an outcome. Think of gaslighting as an example. Think of being passive aggressive, lying. I commit to not listening to the other person. So there's there's two angles here, isn't there? Me, internal, like how we process and how we're going to behave, and external, how how we're going to react to how other people behave. Um, Or in short, if you want to um, do the strike method and you want to live a conscious life, tell the truth and don't bloody lie. But here's the thing. In the um, research... Uh, taken out by Chapman, Dethmer, and Clamp, they found that 97% of people they interviewed um, outright lied. <laughs> 97%. So that's like a, a good kind of like, um, that's a good barometer um, of our ability to lie or or uh, to tell the truth, right? And I, I'm a, I lie sometimes, um, but I, uh, it doesn't sit well with me anymore. And when I do it, I'm very quick to put it right. Okay, because I'm aware of it. And I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, They talk about the three circles of candor. Uh, Candor, candor, candor. It's not condor, it's not bird. So the first circle is truthfulness. What I say represents my reality accurately. I'm being truthful. And the opposite of that is lying. Okay. The second circle is openness. I say everything that I need to say. And the opposite of openness is withholding, right? And then the third circle is awareness. I see as much as there is to see. 
And the opposite of awareness is being uninformed. Okay. And when it comes to our addiction to alcohol and other drugs and other behaviors, um, self-awareness is really key. So I'm going to focus on that last circle a little bit, awareness, right? Our self-awareness is massive, massive. Like knowing whether we're below the line or above the line when it comes to our addiction and our relationships in particular is huge, right? Growing awareness of how we think, what our beliefs are, what our values are, what our worldview is, how that worldview is being cultivated and swayed and biased by societal conditioning, by ideology, by culture, massive. Self-awareness of our flaws, self-awareness of what Gay Hendricks calls our upper limit problems, which we cover in Strive Method Predictions. Brenny Brown's work on vulnerability and the three shields of vulnerability. Like, are we aware when we are foreboding joy? Are we aware when we are slipping into perfectionism? Are we aware why we are numbing? Are we even aware that we are numbing. So you might think to yourself, what's he on about? Of course, I know that I'm drinking. I know I'm drinking. I've got the drink in my hand. But do you know when you are in a state of workaholicism? I just made that up. When you're working too hard, when you're escaping from your, your husband and your, and your daughter and you're hiding in work, are you aware of that? Are you aware that you are spending too much time on the internet? Are you aware that you're addicted to self-help, right? Like, so, you know, all these awarenesses, all this, you know, the need to be aware is, is really important to see as much as there is to see, okay? The opposite, like I said, is being uninformed. So how do you get more informed? Well, you listen to things like this. You listen to podcasts, you read books, you take training courses like the Strive Method for Addiction, and you get personal coaching with people like myself and all the other wonderful coaches out there, right? You go on this mission of personal growth and personal evolution to learn more and more and more about what is going on and what great a place to start than your own self-awareness, to be aware of how you're behaving while you're doing the things that you're doing. And one aspect of awareness or a lack of awareness is projection, Right? So if you think about um, your mind being a movie projector and the world being the screen, um, projection is we when we cast our feelings and our beliefs and our internal thoughts onto the world, okay? Um, and we do it to defend our ego and, in our cases, to allow us to continue drinking. Let me give you a good example of uh, projection. Um, so I am always, always complaining that Liza is too controlling. I'm either, con I'm either complaining externally or I'm complaining internally and just getting on with it, right? So I'm always complaining that Liza is too, too controlling. Now, in the work of Deathma, Chapman, and Clamp, which has been really highly um, influenced by Gay Hendricks and the Hendricks Institute. What they teach you when it comes to projection is when you find yourself complaining and moaning and groaning uh, internally or even externally about someone or a thing, put a mirror up in front of your face and say, what is that saying about me? 
how can this be about me? Okay. So a good rule of thumb to raise self-awareness is particularly around projection, which is going to be massively destructive for your relationships, which is then going to lead to you wanting to numb, okay, or other harmful uh, behaviors that are going to drive you below the line. What you need to do is you need to put that mirror in front of yourself and you need to ask yourself, how can this be about me? So if I'm complaining a lot that Liza is too controlling, what is that saying about me? <laughs> well, it's because I'm so controlling. Like, and I am controlling. Even complaining that Liza is too controlling is stemming from my need and desire to control her. I don't want her to behave the way Liza behaves. I want her to behave the way I want her to behave. I want her to do what I tell her to do. I want her to behave the way I want her to behave. Right? This is, um, I can't remember the author, but uh, Neil Donald Walsh in his book, The God Solution, he, he refers to, you know, like there's the golden rule in, in the Bible, uh, do unto others as you would do unto yourself. And then Neil Donald Walsh points out um, the platinum rule. I can't, I can't remember who, who mentioned it, but it was do unto others how, how they would how they would want themselves to be treated or something like that, right? So basically, uh, in a nutshell, don't treat people um, the way that you think they should be treated, okay? You treat people the way that they want to be treated, which means you've got to grow awareness of what they want to be and how they want to be spoken to, how they want to um, be treated, how they want you to show up for them, how you they want you to hold space for them. And that is this platinum rule, right? So we'll talk about that a little bit and, and, and how to do that. Um, but back to projection, you know, um, with this platinum rule, I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of like blowing it out of the water, right? I'm not interested in um, what she wants to do and how she's trying to do it when I'm projecting. I literally just want to control her. And then I get really annoyed and frustrated that I can't control her. So I complain at her for being too controlling, which is projecting my own beliefs and values at her. I'm also uh, can be very controlling, you know, when it comes to strife and 1000 days sober, you know, I, I want, I create, you know, like a, uh, an assignment and I'm like, like, yeah, this is what I want people to get out of it. And if somebody gets something else out of it, I'm like, no, I wanted you to get this out of it. Like I, I want to be controlling when, um, someone is really struggling to stop drinking, you know, I get into the drama triangle and I become the hero and I make that person a victim. And I start thinking, well, if you would only do what I tell you to do, then everything will be okay. Please do what I tell you to do. Why? I'm being controlling, right? Think about it. It's projection. Another form of proje projection is, uh, you know, Liza, like most human beings, she just, you know, at the end of the night after she's done all her um, mother mother things and she's done all her studies and all her business because, you know, Liza is studying. She's got her own business. She's a mother as well, right? So after she's done all those things and Zia's gone to bed, she just likes to relax and watch some stuff and just chill out, right? And sometimes when I see her doing that, I get really annoyed. 
<laughs> I'm really annoyed. I look at her and think, what's she doing fucking dusting about on the city when I'm so busy? That is projection. Why? Because I miss dossing about and I wish that I could doss about, but I've created a, a belief system in my mind uh, that dossing about is for wimps. Dossing about is never going to get you anywhere. Dossing about, it's like Gary, Van- Gary Vaynerchuk's in my head, you know? Like, stop watching Lost, as he used to say all the time, and just get your fucking work done, right? Now, now I'm aware of that now. Like, right now, I'm aware of that. Like, preparing for this, I was like, holy shit, right? Lee, you need to do some more dossing. Because if you did some more dossing, maybe you would stop projecting on other people when they're just really just having play, having fun, having rest. You know, in my recent coaching group with Kaboom and Elite, Preston Smiles said to me that one of my greatest challenges is just being still. Stop doing stuff, Lee. Just be still. Learn to just gather your energy in. Stop fucking flinging it around all over the place. Projection. So how can I make this? How how is this about me? So whenever you get into a funk and you start blaming, criticizing, or judging someone, ask yourself, hang on a minute, before I go any further, how can this be about me? How could I be projecting here? Maybe this isn't about them at all. And then deal with your own shit, self-awareness, okay? Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about here a little bit is emotional attunement and trust um, and uh, inarguable truths versus assumptions, right? So we do get into this habit. I see it a lot on Strive. I do it as well, whereby we create our own reality um, through our perceptions and our assumptions, Um, Let me give you um, a really good example. Um, Recently on a coaching call, uh, one of our beloved strivers said that um, a trigger for them or something that really upsets them is when somebody um, or their mother and their sister um, ridicules them about the way that they look, right? So that's a trigger. So it's a serious thing, right? Like, She's speaking about it because it's serious and she wants some help and guidance on it because it's it's triggering her and she doesn't want to drink alcohol, right? So um, I'm kind of like, you know, what do you think they're going to say if you turn around and and say to them, hey, you know, when you say X, Y, Z, I feel ashamed, angry, frustrated, whatever it is, but you're you're explaining them how you feel and then you're asking them, why do you do it? And, uh, you know, I was saying, what, what do you think uh, will happen? And um, this person responded and, and gave her answer. And I was like, well, do you know that's really true? And she was like, yeah. And I'm like, do you really know it's true? You know, going from the work of Byron Katie. And she was like, no, I don't. So it's an assumption. So we're creating um, a feeling. So we get it. We're getting a feeling when somebody says something to us. We we get in. A, it, it triggers a feeling, which then triggers a thought, which probably likely triggers a memory, which then leads to our action, which in this case is to withdraw and to not say anything. Right. But that is an assumption, and very often assumptions are leading to us drinking alcohol or smoking or whatever. So we need to we need to find out what the truth is here. Right? We need to find out what the truth. We need to learn if we want to be conscious human beings to live in inarguable truths. So we need to ask if this is true. Right? We need to we need to turn around and say, um, express how we feel, and 
express how, what we're thinking uh, and ask, is this true? And then when the other person gives you an answer, you've got to trust that their answer is truthful because you'll just keep going around in circles. All right. So you just believe the answer is truthful. And if it keeps coming up, then you keep having that same conversation, adding a little bit on each time, right? Hey, well, last time you said uh, a bit, it keeps happening. What's going on here? And again, it might just be you. It might be you and it might not be the other person. And the reason that I said that I wanted to talk about emotional attunement. So emotional attunement is like when you're living with uh, another human being, like, so I'm living with Liza, I'm living with uh, her mom, her dad, and Zia. There's a form of communication that, you know, it's not, you know, you, you, it's not tangible. It's like, it's emotional attunement. You feel attuned to the other person's emotions. You feel when somebody's down, you feel when somebody is up and it affects you if you let it and you don't have strong boundaries. Okay. And sometimes there can be projection there and stories and assumptions. So I say Liza um, is in a funky mood. And this is an area that I struggle with all the time. So Liza's in a funky mood. Um, I then create a story that the reason she's in a funky mood is because it's something that I've done. Okay. Um, and what would happen in the past is I would then not say anything. And then I would get really short with her at some point during the day because I was just completely incapable of handling and allowing her to have the space to experience her emotions. So how can you, how can you make sure that the, where's the truth here? Where's the reality? Where's the truth? What, what, you know, where's the reality? Where's the illusion? Well, you ask. So now I've got into the habit of saying either I feel, um, I am having the thought that, or I noticed and, and I talk about how I'm feeling in my body, right? So a good example would be, um, I notice that you're in a bit of a funky mood and I feel really uncomfortable because I am having the thought that I'm somehow responsible and I'm noticing it in my gut. And I just wanted to clarify with you, is there anything that I've done? Um, you know, is there any truth to like my, my, my thought here, or is it just a, an inaccurate assumption? And she might turn around and say, no, no, like I'm just really struggling right now with this assignment that I'm trying to do. And I'm late for my period and my boobs are really sore and Zia's just being up all night nagging me. And I'm just depleted, completely depleted. Nothing to do with you. Okay. Or it could be, yes, yes. All of those things I just said, and you're not stepping up for me. Okay. And then in that moment, you've got your answer. But you have to trust that the answer that they give you is right. Otherwise, you keep playing these stupid mind games. Okay. You keep playing these stupid mind games. So speaking candidly is really important. Okay. It's all about uh, telling the truth, not telling lies. Um, but allowing and creating an environment so those around you feel that they can tell the truth and that they don't have to lie, okay? So we have these three circles, truthfulness, what I say repre represents my reality accurately. The opposite of that is lying. Openness, I say everything I need to say. The opposite is withholding. And awareness, I see as much as there is to see. And the opposite is being uninformed. And we talked a little bit about projection right? About when we feel triggered by another human being is we stop ourselves and we say, how can this be about me? 
okay, without us actually making it about them. And then that allows us to come at them with more empathy, more compassion, okay? We talked about emotional attunement, feeling other people's feelings, um, and allowing them to have that space um, to feel their feelings through the completion without you making it about you. And in order for you to not make it about you, then you need to operate in inarguable truths and not assumptions. So you need to start having dialogue in, and using, I feel I'm having the thought that, or I notice in brackets in my body. And then once you're having that conversation, that two-way dialogue, you trust what the other person is saying is the truth. And if you do all those things, you're going to move a little inch towards being more conscious in your relationships with yourself, in your relationships with other people. And that means you're less likely to drink alcohol. Okay. If you have any questions on this whatsoever, leave a note down below. Take care. Much love.